deep question, I'm David Zachary, and this is your one-stop shop for everything related to the world of the movie Trivia Showdown. Chance the Cobra Ellison may just be the best triple threat the league has seen since Rachel the Crusher Cushing retired in 2019. The Corruption Powerhouse is a two-time teams champion with Team Corruption and the winner of last season's Inner Geekdom Tournament. The only thing holding him back is a mid-tier record in the singles division, something he plans to rectify this season. Welcome back to another edition of the Re- Repeat the Question match recap. Of course, we're talking about Chance the Cobra Ellison taking on the delinquent Lon Harris in this one. And at the end of the first round, it was a close match. Ellison was perfect, including the bonus to jump out to a 9-8 to eight lead. Lon Harris also had a perfect first round but missed the bonus. He's only able to secure 8 points. And he's down 1 heading into round 2. With the choice of whether to spin first or second, Ellison decides to keep the momentum on his side in round two. He's perfect in the category of Eddie Murphy to secure eight points in the top of the round. Now, a perfect round from Chance Ellison wouldn't necessarily be a deal breaker for Lon Harris, but unfortunately, he spins the category of DreamWorks twice, a category he did not want to have in round two. He's only able to pick up four points off a two of four performance And the real kicker is he sends two steals for a massive three points over to Chance Ellison. Ellison takes an eight-point lead off the back of the two steals to end the round. He's up 20-12 to heading into round three. And eight points will pretty much be certain doom for any competitor in the league. Harris tries his best. He hits his two, but he misses his three-point question. And that'll be all she wrote. Final score, 20-14 to 14 in favor of the Cobra, wins by technical knockout. It's also a perfect game for Chance Ellison, the eighth perfect game in singles division history, and it is another perfect game, the second this week, following downtown Griffey Noom's perfect game on Thursday. The real story of this match is, is of course, Chance the Cobra Ellison, He might be finally getting over the hump in the singles division. And that's something he's excited about, as you'll hear right now. Teams is like a good pair, to me at least, it's like a pair of blue jeans. They're nice, they're comfy. I can slip back into them anytime I want. But but singles, though. Singles is a nice pair of shades and a ball black cap. It's beautiful. It's sexy. And I want it. So, you know, what? anything I got to do to get there? I'm game. Let's go. There you have it. Chance Ellison, he really wants that that singles belt. He re- he really wants to to prove himself in singles. He's gotten kind of screwed uh, by tournament seeding in the past. A few years ago, he was matched up against Ethan Irwin in the tournament in the year that Ethan Irwin went on to win the title. He was matched up against Bibiani in the tournament in the year that Bibbs went to the tournament final. And then last year, of course, he finally got his first tournament win over David Del Rio. But even that one wasn't an easy win um, as he ultimately went to sudden death in that match. But Chance Ellison, it really does seem like he's finally putting everything together, finally able to carry over that team success into singles. And he's off to two pretty impressive wins. A win over Brennan Meyer is big, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would say, similar to Chance Ellison, Brennan Meyer is a lot better than his record shows in the singles division. Then, of course, he gets this perfect game against Lon Harris. That's two big wins. Now he advances to potentially take on 
Jeff the Insider Schneider, which if he's able to do that, um, he's definitely putting together the type of resume that will get him towards the singles belt and, and kind of push him into that real elite triple threat status. I think if you asked anybody in the league, most people would say that he's the best uh, tri-division player in the league right now. But, you know, the real thing that's holding him back from being truly elite in all three is this singles division um, record. I think as long as he's able to get to a get to a title match, he'll be able to have really proved himself in the singles division, something he hasn't really done to this point. Chance Ellison, as I mentioned at, at the end of the, the recap, also has the eighth perfect game in singles division history. That was something that was not done until Ben the Boss Bateman did it against Andrew Guy last season, about midway through the year. There were five total perfect games in season seven. This season, there are three. And so that starts to beg the question, you know, are competitors going perfect too often? I think that honestly, my answer is no. Um, if you're looking just at this season's numbers, there have been 32 total matches played, only three perfect games. That's 10% of the matches played. Maybe that's a little high. I don't think it's that bad. Um, I think it just seems like a lot because it's coming in, in such, such a succession and it had never happened before last season. You know, in running, there's a lot of talk about uh, breaking the five-minute mile. And when that happened for the first time, oftentimes, whether it's the five-minute mile or it's any sort of milestone like that, what, what you'll see happen is somebody will break it and then two or three or four more people will follow really closely behind and, and, and break it as well. And, and what it ultimately is, it's, it's like a mental block is that, you know, people don't think they can do it until they see somebody else do it. And so I think that's kind of what's happened with, with the perfect game is that, you know, people didn't think they could do it until it was done. And then it, even if it's not a conscious thing, it, um, once one person was able to bust through the doors, everybody else was sure to follow. The other thing is that I think that we're kind of seeing something that's kind of inflating our perception of the perfect game, which is we've got more matches in the Star Wars division than ever before this season and last season before that. Um, and I think that, you know, the Star Wars division is is set up in a way where if you even check down to multiple choices, as Zach Burkett will be the first one to tell you, then then you're out of luck. You, you're done. That's that's the ball game. And so I think because we're seeing so many perfect games in the Star Wars division division by nature of playing in that division, it's kind of inflating our view of the number of perfect games um, total. And, and really, it's not really that big of a deal in singles. Um, you know, 10% might be a little high. But the other thing I look at is, you know, you could come kind of compare this to, to baseball in a way. And the thing about baseball is it, it kind of ebbs and flows right now. We're in a really dominant pitching era, a lot of strikeouts, but, but, but before that we were in a dominant hitting era, um, with the kind of adaptation of the, the launch angle philosophy and aiming for the long ball instead of aiming for the base hit. 
and so on and so forth. And so for a while there, we were having hitters really dominate the league. And since, and as we've kind of transitioned, now we're in a, a more pitchers era. What happens is the pitchers adapt to what the hitters are doing differently to kind of come back. And then eventually the hitters have to do the same thing. So I think what's happened is players in singles have adapted to what the question writers are, th- are throwing at them. So now the question writers will have to get a little bit more creative and adapt to those uh, players. I think, I think we'll, we will see if we examine the Schmodown as a whole is that there's kind of an ebb and flow there to it, similar to what you might see in major league baseball. But the other kind of element to that is that I would think your most elite players in the league should be playing as close to perfect as possible. Um, I think that having elite players play at elite levels is important. It's not like there isn't a disparity, um, you know, across the board. We've seen players get knocked out in singles this season. We've seen players have, you know, four and five point round ones in singles this season. So it's not like everybody is playing at a perfect level. Um, I think that if every game in the singles division was a near perfect game, then we would be having an issue, but that's, that's certainly not the case. So I don't think that that perfect games are an issue. Um, It's just interesting to note that, you know, it had never happened before last season and now it's happening a lot. That's going to bring us to our look at the faction standings following this match. Corruption closing in on the exchange. They've cut the gap to just four points. Meanwhile, swag is they're deceptively primed for a big comeback. They lose a point here, but the interesting thing to note is that lights out. Laura Kelly's on the team. Uh, she got a title shot to start the year and then has been pretty much sidelined for most of the season. I think she's good enough to maybe beat Andrew the Hunter Dimalanta. So um, it's possible they could have a few more points coming back their way that way. Final exam is kind of in limbo right now, but we're in between tournaments and they should probably be on some sort of a uh, midseason title path, I would assume, before the second tournament starts. And then, of course, Paulo Yama still has his free-for-all title shot that he could use at any time. So, you know, yes, they are at the bottom of the pack. They're only one point out of last place, but I really do think that at any moment, Swag could string together three or four wins in a row, and then next thing you know, they're right up back in the fight. I don't think it's too late for them, um, but they may be making the choice to have Paulo Yama use that title shot sooner rather than later so they don't fall in too big of a hole midway through the season and you know part of that might just be playing the numbers game do they challenge Dan Merle before the winner of Bateman Irwin or do they wait for that match to play out before they just determine if um they think they're going to have a chance against him because I really do think Paul Yama is going to use that, that shot in singles and not in teams. Um, but it's possible he could use it in teams too. Um, just seems like Paul Yama would fare better in a title match against any of Ethan Irwin, Ben Bateman or Dan Merle than 
final exam would fare against Shazam or Danger Zone or any of the other top tier teams. But either way, Corruption, you know, they're doing their thing. Uh, the, the narrative for them this season has kind of been that, like, why did everybody count them out? But I don't think anybody was counting them out. I, th- I think they had one of the best drafts. Um, you know, that Marisol McKee trade looked bad at the draft, but she's kind of blossomed into this elite competitor this season. I don't think anybody really saw coming uh, out of her first few matches. So with that in mind, I think that that trade turned out beautifully, especially because she beats Kevin Smith at collision. Then she's got a title shot. Um, They are very deep in singles and teams. It'll be interesting to see what happens come the inner geekdom tournament. Um, But even there, they're, you know, Mike Kalinowski and Chance Allison are two of the best in the division right now. So they really shouldn't have a problem in inner geekdom. Star Wars might be a little bit of a wink link for them. Um, Sean Sullivan is great, but he's just, he's kind of at that level kind of that Ellison was at in singles where he, he just needs to get over the hump and he hasn't quite done it yet. So um, that's going to be something to look out for. But at the same time, if Joseph Scrimshaw becomes available, he could be big for them in a later season Star Wars tournament. So, you know, I don't think that corruption drafted poorly. I think that they, you know, are just doing what we expected them to do. And they might have gotten some bad matchups to start the season, uh, particularly if I think about like uh, Paul Preston being matched up against James White, who, you know, maybe might have made sense in a, in a record column, but Preston was a signed free agent. James White went very late in the draft. So that by that measure, it seems like they were kind of set up for failure a little bit, but they're finding their groove now and they're going to be contending for the faction championship again at the end of the year. And nobody's out of the running yet. Um, out of the that top four, I don't think. They're all pushing each other, and it'll be interesting to see what comes next. That's going to do it for the show today. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. You'll have access to exclusive Q&As, behind-the-scenes content, and, of course, early access to everything we do here over at Repeat the Question, patreon.com slash Podcast. It's the only way we're able to get keep this show and keep the website and every and repeat the question as a whole running so be sure to support us there if you are watching this episode of the show on video just know that we are available in the podcast format we're on apple Podcasts, we're on google Podcasts, we're on spotify everywhere you get your podcasts we are available thanks to anchor if you're listening to this in the audio format but you prefer video be sure to check us out at youtube.com slash david Um, I put a lot of effort into the video version of the show. There's a lot of different uh, pieces that go into that, including plenty of graphics that you just don't get on audio. So be sure to tune in there. If you don't like to listen, you don't like to watch, but you do like to read all of the content on repeat. The question is also available in article format over at rtqpodcast.com. 
The website's where it's at for stats, match recaps, editorials, everything you get on the show, but in written format, plus a little bit more. Be sure to check out rtqpodcast.com. Stay up to date on everything. Repeat the question. You can follow us at RTQ Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash RTQ Podcast as well. As for me, you can follow me at POTUS107 on Twitter. But that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you for tuning in and so long.